views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Genetic Living Radio is a conscious reality creation journey. Tune in each month as Rick and Grace Paris teach you the innovative approach and new philosophy that will shift your entire paradigm of what it is to be a human being. Synergenetic Living is a living, breathing, conscious experience. As a shaman for 20 years, Rick Paris has been guiding people to fuller existences since his first workshop in 1995. He is well-versed in a wide variety of healing arts, including being an Enneagram expert. Grace Paris serves Synergenetic Living clients powerfully and beautifully by embodying the fundamental role of a feedback provider, graciously guiding people to their own realizations and higher purposes. On this show, Rick and Grace will share with listeners the key to unlocking the infinite potential of human consciousness in order to create a life of preference. Learn to author your own destiny with Synergenetic Living Radio. Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Patton. I get to feature both Rick and Grace Paris during their fabulous show, Synergenetic Living Radio. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about this. You know, out in the world today, you must be asking yourself the question, how do we get to navigate through the waters of our time? Well, during each show, you're going to hear so much more about what this means, but also to understand what synergenetic living can help you become uh, in your lives. So today, you get to have a chat with both Rick and Grace, and I just want to say up front, that this is a live call-in show. So we're going to be taking your calls throughout the show today, and you're going to get to talk with Justin a little bit. Uh, We'll put you on hold. Don't worry. We'll make sure we get you in to talk to them. Uh, And for those of you that are thinking, man, I can't call in, then go to Transformation Talk Radio, type your question and or comment in there, and we'll get it on air. You know, earlier we talked about the fact that, you know, Rick was amazing at a very, very young age. He was seen as a healer. You know, it began very early on in his life. And he went on to be somebody that was not, you know, was not afraid to take those risks in life, to be innovative, to be creative, to do so many different things, you know, beyond the, his military service. You know, he was somebody that could especially enjoy uh, the many, many adventurous aspects of life. But as a successful individual, it also brought him full circle based on his life experiences. And today, you know, his groundwork for a deeper understanding of all of the things that go into the creation we call ourselves is now brought to you through Synergenetic Living. And today's show, through Live in Callers, you're going to see what that means. Also, fabulous co-host of this great show is Grace Paris. And many of you have heard me talk about illumination with Grace. You know, she's powerful you know, amazing in what she embodies in the fundamental role of providing the conduit, the connection, maybe even the translation of sometimes some 
very sophisticated ideas that can be broken down through synergenetic living into practical day-to-day actions for living one's life. You know, she too is someone that has turned her attention, her responsibility, you know, to helping people, whether it's helping them physically in the body or through her fabulous yoga instructor, she instruction, she is both connected to body and to mind. And together they represent the amazing outcomes that synergenetic living can bring. Today's show, though, is one of my favorite, favorite topics favorite topics. What do we mean by conscious reality creation? And by the way, this is conscious reality creation 101. Rick and Grace, this is exciting. Great to have you here. Yeah, thank you for that stellar introduction. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Dr. Pat. Thank you. Well, I had to cut it off short because I could have spent the entire hour you know, just like going over like everything like that Rick did and you did. And and, and actually, I, I wanted folks to hear that from you both. You know, let's talk about conscious reality creation and what it means. Many people have a sense of it. The world is catching on to it. Now, how do we know that? Because it shows up in our pop culture. You know, it shows up in what people spend money to go see, you know, in the big screen. You know, it shows up by you know, places that people want to plug in. Where it doesn't show up, I don't think so much, is in using the tools of reality creation for our lives. And I'm so thrilled to have Rick, you, and Grace talk about this today. Excellent. Excuse me. We, um, there's a lot to know about conscious reality creation. So I often tell people it's like a big cake when you first get it. It's like, wow, I'm aware. Happy birthday to me. I understand all this stuff. It's coming this way. I want to know more. And it's very few people are able to articulate it in a usable (coughs) structure. And so what we do is we take a person wherever they happen to be on the continuum of their growth and we start implementing the language and implementing the understanding so they can start recognize how they're actually creating reality. And the very, very basic, basic tools to begin with are, it's a triangulation, and I call these the divine reality creation tools. Because, you know, in religions they teach you the divine triangle is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they, they know, oftentimes religions touch on these, these knowings and they actually reconfigure them in a way that <laughs> serves them. Yeah. Right? I mean, those are three masculine qualities, which reality creation really begins with the feminine first. And the imagination is the most powerful first tool. Your imagination you know, oftentimes in school they've taken that away from people. Your imagination is the the tool that with you you utilize. It's the workhorse of reality creation. And you know, they say, Oh, it's just a dream, a daydream. Those daydreams and and reveries or whatever you'd like to call them are very, very important to know how a person's really thinking underneath and how they're structuring their life because the imagination is the main reality creation. So that imagination, generally, you can operate in the past. You can imagine how crappy it is or how it was or how it's going to be again. You you know, an untrained person will be generally 
focused on perfecting the past. So that a lot of the thoughts are about the past and how something's already hurt me and how I've got to make an adjustment now. And instead of imagining a future that I want and, and acting on that future now. So the imagination pushes you out in a creative way into the future. So the imagination is the workhorse. Now, when you begin imagining, what's generally going to happen if you get into it is your desire is going to go up, which is the emotions get connected to that vision. Wow. And the more that you detail that imagination, the more that your desire, your emotionality is going to engage this vision. And I can tell you many, many different ways how that operates. But in a nutshell, it's you're, you're basically directing the ether at that point. Mm-hmm. The ether starts to move around and the more imagination, the ether starts forming, right? But physical reality is the end result. So dreaming and creating go hand in hand, but <clears throat> it is the emotions that fulfill the experience. So as the emotions develop, the vision starts taking form, and you'll usually start seeing hints and clues in your life regarding that. If you're really into it, you understand that I'm creating reality in accordance to my will, and my will is the imagination. So at that point, I've got two of the legs going. The third leg, which many people really make a mistake with in many uh, teachings, is expectation. Expectation now, once your imagination is geared on a future and once your emotions are geared on that future, the next thing that you have to have in order to make it real is the expectation that it's coming. Mm -hmm. And the word expectation means, in Latin, outside, expectation, to, to, to see outside yourself. So what that does, it connects you with that future. <clears throat> and it connects you in an emotional way that you know that I'm expecting this to happen. It's not really a dream. It's not really a fantasy. And that's where it makes it more real because at the point that you can engage the expectation, that's the point where my imagination, my feelings are on it, and I know it's coming. Many people say, well, don't expect anything. That's the way to do it. When in really reality, when a person doesn't want to use expectation, what they're really thinking is it's not going to happen, and I don't want to get my expectations up. So really their expectation is not to have it. And it's subtle, but they generally don't really realize that the reason I'm avoiding expectation is once your imagination is engaged on this and once your emotionality is revved up, the expectation is the place that if I expect it and it doesn't happen, I'm going to be connected to loneliness because what happens is when I put a line in the sand and I say this is where this is going to happen, my expectation is next <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> next Wednesday I'm going to have this thing that I'm imagining and feeling. The feeling that comes up with a dashed expectation is loneliness. And what most yeah. people are doing is thinking they're circumventing that emotion. And it's not true because a human being, if you really think about it and really look at it, you don't survive or you don't live without expectation. Even if you say, I have no expectation, you can still say, in expectation of what? Yeah. Why am yeah. I not expecting? Because <laughs> I yeah. have an expectation. A human being doesn't really live without it. 
regardless yeah. of how you frame it. So you want to use that tool. And so when those three tools are in operation, it creates a synergetic, synergenetic is what I like to call it, but it's synergenetic, it's synergenetic, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's yeah. a synergistic experience. Because like music, once I have three notes, I have a chord, and the chord is greater than the sum of its parts. So now what's happening when you're spinning all three of these plates as intensely as you can, you are now doing rea conscious reality creation. And you're using the appropriate tools to do so. And what our work does is generally take this, and as we're working on that, because our work begins with a dream, we want the person, when we start working with them, to go for whatever dream it is that they've been holding back on. Because a dream is really, if you think about a dream, that's the outside of what you can imagine for yourself. Mm -hmm. The outside boundaries of where my imagination goes are the dreams I hold for myself. So when you go for a dream, you're going to bang the wall of where your limitations are immediately. So we begin our work there. Yeah. We begin our work with the tools of reality creation, and we begin with a dream, and then we start going for the dream now. What steps do we need to take? And it doesn't matter how big or how small, because once the imagination is engaged, the desire is engaged, and the expectations are engaged, now you have the ability to see the result in physical reality. Most of the time, because this is new to people, they will begin imagining it and desiring it, and they'll realize that they stop their imagination, or they, they don't really engage much of their desire, or their feelings are so inhibited right now that they don't have enough juice behind the experience. So that will show up, and that will be the first steps to getting what you want. The steps to getting there are the qualities of being there, and the qualities of that future are the steps to getting there. So when you start engaging that, it, your limitations show up. In a logical, linear world, we think we're going to get from A to B. When really, there isn't a single place you've ever gone in your life where you've duplicated the route. <laughs> you always steer a different way. You go into, It's not really a... Life is a round, curvy experience. It is not a direct and distinct line. As a matter of fact, when I was dead, one of the things that's really crazy is I say people in quotation marks on the other side of physical reality, <clears throat> they've never even seen a straight line. They don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know it because you've been in a physical experience where straight lines are a big part of it. But outside of space and time, they have no idea how to even understand what a straight line is. So that's part of the artistry that you're learning to be a conscious reality creation. Why you're here, what you're really doing with it is tremendously useful on the other side of physical experience. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it, well, one of the Go things ahead. I hear you oh. saying is, in a lot of ways, is that imagination ignites passion, and our imagination oh. and thoughts create our future, so to speak. Um, and, you know, the reality of expectation which has gotten a very bad rap in our society. I mean, I love it when people say, you know, Pat, you know, you've got these expectations. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know what we're even talking about, really. I mean, when you go to bed at night, do you expect to get up? Yes, I do. Okay, so you have expectations. 
So, you know, we've gotten into this conversation about expectations, almost like it's a bad word. And I don't know how we move ourselves forward without the connection of imagination and expectation. Well, you have to understand, once you understand that expectation is a vital and critical tool to conscious reality creation, mm-hmm. and say you might need a five or ten minutes of processing to understand, well, you know what, I can change the way I'm thinking and feeling about that. Let me, let me start trying, because what you'll, what you'll immediately do is when you begin to expect and really do it consciously, you're going to immediately hear your limitations, your programs. You're going to see, wow, I have a lot of trouble expecting something positive for myself based on what I've imagined. Because one of the most common things, because we live in experience of chauvinism right now, one of the most common causes, I think, therefore I am, which is a completely false statement. You are being first. Thoughts are supposed to direct your beingness. Without your beingness, there's nothing but thoughts flying all over the place that don't manifest anything, because mm-hmm. that's what we've come to believe, that my thoughts are what create reality. No, your emotionality creates reality, and the thoughts direct emotionality. So that is really coming about by an emotional experience, and the imagination, desire, and expectation will begin the emotional experience. And so the first inhibitors will show up the minute you try to do it. And that's what we try to process out. We teach people how to process that, how to recognize that, how to change if they have yeah. a belief that's like, oh, my God, this is just how I believe. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah. And again, that's, that's exactly true. You're believing and you're getting what you believe. But if I can't learn how to change the beliefs, like really change them, then I'm doomed to repeat the pattern. And then I've got to make corrections in physical reality instead of eliminating the pattern. You might say, oh, I totally recognize this. I know this is what I do, and let me make an adjustment. But then you've got to do that all the time. If you take away the belief, there's no more adjustments to be made. That's where the elegance starts beginning to happen. When I can build a rapport with my subconscious mind and understand how to change the program, that's part of what we teach people. So that naturally comes up in the process. Okay, you've got a belief. Well, a belief, simply put, is just an opinion you hold with conviction. It isn't based in fact. It isn't based in any truth. It's just something that I decided, really felt, and decided that's what I'm going to think. So you've got to be able to reverse engineer that process and implement something else, something more powerful. Yeah, yeah someone said something. Yeah, go ahead, Grace. Go ahead, Grace. Is, is living a fulfilling life, it, mm. it seems like so many people are trying to live a fulfilling life, and it, it kind of eludes them. And fulfillment is an emotional state. It's it's understanding how to fulfill yourself emotionally. So we're helping people lift their emotional intelligence and really understand what it is to have full range and full capacity of their emotional internal state so that they can take responsibility for the outside world and how they're co-creating with others outside in a, in a synergenetic way. It's like if you want to direct it, it's really going to come from an emotional state and that's going to drive your thoughts and it becomes this beautiful, well-oiled machine that thoughts spark emotions and emotions generate thought. It, it's really this incredible mechanism that we have and I feel like the emotionality has been really diminished. And so the, the tools to reality creation is feminine and it's from this imaginative state. 
mm-hmm. that yeah. we can really direct. It's not the thinking, you know, like you, people, oftentimes people we work with, they can create the worst situations day after day for themselves. <laughs> it's the same exact way you do it with consciousness. Yeah. You heal those things that are in the way, those emotions that you forgot about that are running in the background. If you're like, I need to raise my vibration. You cannot raise your vibration. Your vibration is a uh, an expression of all the different parts of yourself vibrating. You can direct your mind in the moment and feel like I've really got a high vibration, but in three minutes from now, when you forget to concentrate on your high vibration, you go back to your chronic vibration. So trying to lift your vibration is a process. It isn't a choice. And people yeah. are like, well, i got to get these people out of my life because they've got like, you know, <laughs> terrible, terrible energy. That's a reflection of the own, your own energy inside that you haven't learned to eliminate yet. So you need the reflection to let you know, wow, I keep consistently creating these a-holes in my life, you know? <laughs> that is not something to walk away from. It's something to heal. And then you don't need to walk away from it. It just doesn't happen anymore. You know, it's interesting. Einstein gets quoted a lot about imagination, but there's one quote that's kind of corny, and I think that's why I like it. It's this one where he says, imagination is everything. It's the preview for life's life's coming attractions. And what that means is, oh, not just imagining amazing lives and abundant life. He made no mention of that. He said, what you, you know, basically, if I'm going to imagine the gloom and doom for tomorrow, it is a preview. And I find, I found that really interesting because growing up, imagination was everything for me. You know, as a kid, I had to create imaginary scenarios in my life to make life feel uplifting for me. And I don't know that we remember that we have that ability, do we? Um, you know, maybe our forgetter goes on. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Einstein quote because for many years that was, I changed his quote slightly for my own use, but mm-hmm. he, he said, <clears throat> imagination is more important than knowledge. Mm-hmm. And truly it is. But a more powerful, what it really is, imagination is more powerful than knowledge. And most people will say knowledge is power. It isn't as much power as imagination holds. Because imagination has the ability to supersede beyond a logical experience. Knowledge is a logical progression. And, and, unless it isn't. But you have to be open to the imagination in order to supersede knowledge without empirical evidence. So imagination can supersede an experience and supersede a reality. You could imagine a world that just works out beautifully and not really have to worry about how it gets there. Most people are like, oh my God, the environment is screwed up and we've been screwing it up for 80 years, so it's going to take 150 years to clean it up now. No, it can be cleaned up in a year from now. The imagination can find some really cool technique. But the point is, you want to be imagining that it's possible to just forgive ourselves and move on and start going the other direction without all this logical progression. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, what you just said is is really powerful because, you know, I was watching something the other day on one of the science channels or something where they've created this device, I don't know what to call it, a device, and they're putting it uh, in the oceans. Actually, they're doing a lot of this in Hawaii, 
where these got, they've yeah, got these turbines. That. Did you hear about that, Grace? Where they got these? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and the ocean waves are creating energy. Energy, and it's interesting, isn't it, that we kind of know that. But here people are now coming along. And, you know, the thing I love about this topic with imagination is I have always found it to be magical. I have always found when I am in that zone where I am imagining certain things, not through struggle, but just imagining them being here, there and everywhere right in front of me, you know, powerful rocket fuel for the future it is amazing what happens we're going to take a short break when we come back here's what's going to happen we're going to be of course opening up the phone lines they are open now 1-800-930-2819 please give us a call 1-800-930-2819 we are taking your calls and when we come back you know rick grace what you're going to do is you're going to help people walk through this process so that this is not a conceptual conversation. It's a conversation where we're putting this into action. Before we go to break, though, what is the best way for people to find out more about you? What is the best way for people to find out how to work with you? All of the above. Best way is to check us out online on our website at www.synergenetic.com. Oh, synergeneticliving.com. Pardon me. Perfect. Um, let's do this short break. Again, we're taking callers. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. If you've missed any part of this conversation right now, uh, it will replay later on tonight and also tomorrow and over the weekend. 1-800-930-2819. Say, hey, say hi to Justin. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Tune in each month to Synergenetic Living Radio, where Rick and Grace Paris discuss the synergenetic way of life, what it means to truly change your perspective in life, what it means to take control of your life and manifest your true desires. For more information on Rick and Grace Paris and Synergenetic Living, check out SynergeneticLiving.com. Get clear on the life you desire and the current life you are creating and what is between the two. Synergenetic Living, living life loud. Wow. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm telling you, I got to pinch myself some days because when each of us gets called to do something that we so not thought was in our real house to do for a purpose that's so much greater than us, we get to show up and shine. If you would like to show up and shine on the Dr. Pat Show as a co-host or sponsor, send us an email to inspire at the Dr. Pat Show.com. Have you ever said to yourself, 
I need to let this go. While the phrase sounds effective, what does it actually mean? How do you let something go? Hi, I'm Eve from Elite Tarot, host of the weekly show, Mainstream Metaphysics Radio. As an intuitive coach and professional tarot card reader, I work with clients worldwide on using energy effectively to embrace joy. Here's an idea when letting something go. Find a time you won't be disturbed, and just between you and the universe, handwrite a letter sharing all your feelings of anger, hurt, and sadness. At the end, write, however, I choose to live my life with love, joy, and strength, and so for all that, I release you. After you sign your name, immediately shred the letter noting how your body physically feels as you release something that you've been carrying for oh so long. If you'd like to schedule a session, please visit my site at elitetarot.com. That's E-L-I-T-E-T-A-R-O-T.com. Are you, Are you searching? Are you searching? Looking for a sign? A message, a message you need to hear? From the great unknown? From the most mysterious place? That is the most familiar to your soul in the depths of who you are. The universe puts someone here to talk to, someone God gave a blessing to, that you may find insight with. TheAngelLady.net. 1-800-323-1790. Hey, everybody. This is Synergenetic Living Radio with Rick and Grace Paris. Uh, Conscious Reality Creation 101. I want to say that if you want to find out more about Rick and you want to find out more about Grace, please go to their website, SynergeneticLiving.com. And you can also email them at info at SynergeneticLiving.com. The other thing is, you know, we are taking callers today. We're going to go right to the phones. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Mr. Justin, who do we have? We have Erica from San Francisco. Erica, you are on the air. Hi, Erica. Hi. Thanks for having me on today. All right. Rick, Grace. Yeah, hi. Hey, Erica. Thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying the show. And um, what what really has stood out for me is that I, I feel like I have the, the imagination component feels so real and visceral in my body and for me it's when I'm taking that and and trying to find the action piece that it feels like everything gets really foggy um and in particular right now you know I've been really transitioning with sort of my body of work and I've been having this overwhelming fear of any type of visibility um just complete terror so everything feels very clear and then as soon as I try to start translating it or um, putting myself out there visibly um, my entire body gets scared sometimes I sweat and you know I've I've been on stages before and taught workshops Uh a lot and so I'm not quite sure what's happening for me around this and and I can tell that I have a lot of judgment about it because I'm like, oh, this is icky. It's terrible. I want it to go away. And as this vision for my future and this active imagination I have around it feels like it's starting to come into clarity finally, um, it's, 
so frustrating to not know how to move past this piece or move through this piece. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, total. Perfect sense. Well, you're doing what the beginning of the show we said. You're like, I'm imagining, and, you know, as soon as I go to implement, you're going to hit your first set of limitations. And oftentimes, most people, most philosophies, are really attempting to get rid of fear. Fear is not good. We don't like it. We need to get rid of it no matter what it takes. Where in this philosophy, fear is the first thing you look for because when you first began your emotional journey and physical experience, it was all love. You were receiving, you didn't know anything that was going on consciously, but yet you received all that you needed, all that you wanted. And love is the first quality. The very next thing that stems out of the tree of love, the first branch, if you will, is fear. And fear is an indicator and a map back to love. Because once a person overcomes a particular fear, and overcomes isn't necessarily even the right word, but we use that. But the fear is always connected to love. So whenever I have a fear, what's really happening is I've got a negative belief around this subject, and I'm afraid. And so if a person looks at fear as being your great teacher, the fastest way through any growth spurt or any process is to find the fear and go through it because on the other side of this blockage are the gifts and talents that I've been denying myself because behind fear is love. Mm -hmm. We don't go anywhere without fear. If you're really in love, you should be in fear. If you're not in fear, it's because you've come to a a status with love. I am at a neutral status. I'm happy, and but I'm not afraid. If you're not afraid, you're not stretching because love and yeah. fear are always hand in hand. It's a paradox. One always happens without with mm-hmm. the other. Therefore, if I'm afraid, I want to say, okay, good to know. If I negative judge fear, which is a common reaction, negative judgments are a strategy that the adolescent in us uses. The negative judgments separate you from experience. As soon as I negative judge what it is I'm needing to change, I separate from the ability to change it. I actually immediately lose responsibility, the ability to respond, not duty and obligation, but the ability to respond. And so the minute that I lose my ability to respond, it's impossible to change. And if I keep negative judging the object, then I can never work through it. So you already said that, like, it's terrible, it's negative. What's happening is you're uncomfortable emotionally, and I'm using the the adolescence tactic to separate from an emotion that I'm not comfortable with. And so that wheel will forever go around because there really isn't any avoiding the emotion. It's just a temporary blockage. It's a temporary avoidance with negative judgment. Negative judgments really only do things in conscious reality creation. They separate you from experience, and they actually cause pain. If you're shaming yourself about it, you're creating pain in the self. If you're judging anybody else, you're creating pain in them. So negative judgments are something that you want to recognize and not utilize. And again, 
there's other things you can do to take this strategy away, like more healing with the adolescent inside and teaching the adolescent that, hey, we're not using this strategy anymore, and this is why it doesn't work. So there's, there's a whole meditative process you can do to eliminate that reaction, which is coming from a different part of your matrix. <clears throat> your adolescent is a living, breathing aspect of physical reality. And so when the adolescent isn't healed, anytime something goes on that the adolescent at one time didn't like or denied or any of these things, resonance, the resonance comes through and affects you now. That's why the pattern repeats with the adolescent, because the adolescent isn't healed. But that's just a little note there. But these fears you're having on visibility, likely, I mean, of course, we're on a show that I'm going to try to move you through, but I'm going to move you through in a, in a way that I, if we were working together, I would go deeper into this. But let's just assume, because it's probably true, you got to go, why am I afraid of being seen? What would cause a person to be afraid of being seen? Can you answer that question? Yes, I actually, I, I, for the most part, I feel clear on it, obviously. I mean, I feel like there's a blind spot in it, but I, I went through a pretty significant period of my um, late teens through early 20s where I was a sex worker and I literally was living a double life. And so hiding was actually my way of protecting myself. And so I've done, and I think part of the frustration is like, I actually feel, no, I mean, hiding, hiding myself from the world. I was literally for the most part living a double life. And so, you know, there was a huge amount of hiding. There was definitely a lot of shame around that time. And even though in a lot of ways, I feel as though I've moved through the majority of that. Uh-huh. To me, I'm just like, well, what is still lingering where I'm trying to protect myself? Because actually, there was so much beauty in that time of my life and so much wisdom that wants to come through me. Um, and I almost felt like the hiding component was actually physically keeping me safe and keeping, you know, my family, quote unquote, safe um, from who I was. And so now it feels like actually coming into who I am, this this part of my life where I worked really, really hard to be small and to be invisible in the world, that is no longer working for me. And I realize that, but for some reason, moving through it, I just get completely trapped by it. Okay. So one of the biggest aspects, and, you know, healing shame is a big, and very powerful experience and a very big, uh, let's say, level of responsibility in a person to be able, because most people don't even want to talk about shame, right? Because what is shame? It's the thing I hide. The thing we're ashamed of is the mm-hmm. things we hide. That's why so much is like in the news and the reality where what are people ashamed of? They're, you know, often politicians, religious leaders are all having these sexual things in the background that they're hiding from everyone because they're wanting their adolescent is really seeing them with a very specific image and they have other wants, needs, and desires that they're ashamed of 
and they don't incorporate or they don't feel like they can incorporate that part of myself. So anytime you want to say you're hiding, it's shame. And so shame comes in many different ways in a person's life. So shame is not like this one thing that I want to heal because you begin shame as a small child. You know, when your parents are denying you all that you want, then of course you have to be denied because you're a narcissist when you're a little kid. You want more sleep, more love, more candy, more cookies, more this, more less this. You're demanding everything, and your parents are doing whatever job they are trying to help you get what you want, right? But you're still, no matter what, going to always feel shame that you're not good enough. And... That's also layered on another set, but I don't want to get into that too deep because I just want to touch on shame. So shame is this childhood experience that a child starts realizing in order to get love, I have to accommodate this person who feeds me, takes care of me. So I start stuffing the parts of myself that don't work for them. Like for me, it started with talking. Mm -hmm. My parents like, I started, I talked at 18 months. I was potty trained and had full language at 18 months. But everyone was always yelling at me, would you just shut up? He doesn't stop talking. <laughs> so it took me a long time to recognize that that was part of my shame. You know, and, and always feeling like I had so much to say and always feeling like I should shut up and always shutting myself halfway down when I felt like I was just getting into it and these sort of things. So we, we end realizing that this is part of our shame. When you go through puberty... Your entire emotional construct gets elevated exponentially. So the things that I was ashamed of as a child that maybe were just fine hiding them and I don't care anyway, all of a sudden get amplified. So the way that I was holding them back doesn't really work anymore. So I've got to re-up. I've got to really hold it back now. And then, of course, you're getting through the sexuality so if sexuality, if people were very religious, it doesn't even matter if you weren't religious at all. Sexuality has been co controlled by Eastern and Western philosophy for centuries now. Western philosophy saying, hey, it's only to procreate, it's not to have fun, it's not to enjoy yourself. Eastern philosophy is like, hey, go ahead and do it, but don't have an orgasm, don't give him your power, try to stay in this elevated state, but don't go over the top. Because truly sex is a gift. That was the gift from God, goddess, all that is, to be able to go home. Basically, in an orgasm, your resonant vibration is, you are resonating at the absolute highest level frequency that you can in your physical body, and you leave your physical body at the time of an orgasm. You forget who you are, what you are, you forget. So that was the gift, and religions have controlled that because if you could really be having sex freely, you wouldn't need any religion. You'd know exactly what to do. But if you create shame around that, it inhibits the person's growth and inhibits their expression. So being, you talked about being a sex worker and, you know, you had to hide that, you had to do that, and now you're trying to show up and you've got a whole mindset that hiding doesn't work. Well, you're right, but it really protected you at one time. Whether it was a child or an adolescent, that hiding was a winning formula. It was a high-functioning strategy. And as an expanding universe, any strategy we take on will eventually become a prison because we can't grow and hold ourselves in a certain size pot. So what happens, we get root bound and we don't understand that the pot we live in is the one we actually chose at a time we didn't understand that. So those limitations you're feeling are really 
you're root bound and you want more, but the belief construct you're holding in your subconscious is something less. So the fear and the shame are your avenues to find out deeper. And like you're saying, I know that I'm stuck. I'm so afraid to be seen. So now what you want to be doing is going back to your childhood and really looking at what parts am I? Because this is also in, in, to be an enlightened person, one of the qualities that I consider to be an enlightened person, one of the qualities that has to be reviewed and understood and healed are the aspects of the shadow. Mm-hmm. Now, the shadow I'm talking about mm-hmm. are not what most people think. It's not a dark, negative part of yourself. What I call the shadow are the parts of yourself that you stuck in the background, really powerful, amazing parts of yourself that you thought weren't good enough. You put them back and your shadow follows you around until you're ready to integrate them again. Because these powerful aspects of yourself, you're not going to move ahead without them. So they're in your shadow. And so doing shadow work is one of the things that needed to be worked on in order to uncover these aspects that I previously stuffed, that I need to be a fulfilled person. I need to have full expression in this this imaginative future, because if you go for this specific future that I want to be like a powerful speaker, healer, and I've got these other in the way, which is what you're experiencing, Mm -hmm. they start getting louder. But it's really your subconscious is, has perfect integrity. So what it's doing is every time you get to the moment, it gives you an emotional experience, the real one, the real one being my program, so you have a chance to heal it. So it comes up, it comes up. And so the limitation you're experiencing is on a number of levels. There's another part of you that really knows, no, dude, hiding's the best thing ever. Yeah. You survived. Great. So totally. that part of you does not want you to change. So your subconscious, which got programmed by that person, can't change because the intensity that, that that earlier person came up with that strategy was that of a painful experience. And that pain was so intense that that pain programmed the subconscious. So if you're not able to feel that level of intensity with a very defined choice, your subconscious cannot override the program, and it won't. Now, if that intense adolescent is in the background screaming, no, 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 don't be seen, you're never going to get there. And that's what creates the emotional problems in the body because the body is reacting to the program now. So it's around healing shame. It's around giving the adolescent another strategy. And it's understanding that the fear is going to lead you right to what you need to know without negative judging any of it. So it's a bit of a process, and of course we're on a show right now. Yeah. Normally I would be giving you the way to change all this stuff as well, which I don't have time to get into here. But are you are you seeing something more? Well, tell me, you know, give me some feedback there. Yeah. Um, yes, thank you. Um, that definitely brings up a lot, and... Um, the the one part for me is it feels like a lot of the shame on a personal level doesn't feel like it's there anymore or if it's one-on-one with someone. So if I'm in that moment of, you know, attempting to do something visible and move past it and that physical experience and emotion comes up, do you have a tip in that moment for how to be with that and start okay. to move through it? Remember, the way that you know that you're not in shame anymore is when you don't hide anymore. Now, shame, like I said at the beginning, and I said it very specifically, 
shame takes a tremendous amount of will because all my lesser parts of myself have come up with all these attitudes of not being good enough in a way to protect myself. Like, let's say I feel really good enough and all of a sudden something's going down with my family and I just realize, wow, I'm not good enough. It's beautiful to think that at that age because the next thing you go to is, wow, all I have to do is learn to be good enough and then everything will be great. But the problem is you programmed yourself in saying, I'm not good enough. So you have to play out not good enough from now on until that's changed. So the fact that, and, and I'm not, and I am not diminishing whatever work you've done, but really, truthfully, shame needs to be handled on multiple levels because it begins pre-verbally. It continues at different parts of your life. When you're a little bit older, eight or nine, when your parents were yelling at you at two or three, it doesn't have the same significance because you're not smart enough to understand, but you feel the pain of it. When you get a little older, eight or nine, now you really understand when they say you're not good enough. So there's another level of shame that comes in and it, it's a wave and it gets bigger right then or maybe it stays the same. When I hit puberty, boom, I get another wave of shame, a whole different experience. And as an adult, most adults run around shaming themselves right. with what they've learned, which is adult shame. So all four of these levels need to be addressed in order to heal the thing called shame. So if you haven't understood that and you're hiding and you're feeling nervous about being seen, I'm just saying there's more to go. Yeah. There's just more to heal. Mm. And. And that's first Thank step you. to change is recognition. Yeah, the first step to change is recognition. Second step to change is acknowledging, understanding. Because when I really honestly understand the depth of this pattern, what it's done, you will know what to forgive in yourself because you're the one that created them all. Or if you didn't create what you probably didn't likely consciously create, you allowed it. You allowed the, the people to influence you. You believed what they said. That was still you doing it. And until we understand it's not somebody else in conscious reality creation, we must be responsible for 100% of our experience in order to be able to have more chance and more authority in healing. Because if I can't take 100% authority, I can't heal it 100%. And so I know that sucks to say. I mean, I've been here many times. And, and at the same time, don't be discouraged. You mm. already are aware of shame. You're already beginning to heal it. Your life will reflect when it's healed. You will not hide. Or if you catch yourself hiding, you will understand, oh, this is part of that shame. I, I recognize it. I, I get it. And I can feel how sad it is. I'm going to forgive myself for that because forgiveness is the third step to change. But I can't, if, if often people go, I do understand and I do get it, but they're not in an emotional place of really being sad about it. Like, I got to find those deep emotions that are hidden behind the understanding. When I get to that deep, painful place that I have been doing this to myself for so long, those are where the forgiveness comes. That's where the release happens. Common psychology, psychiatry only really teaches people to recognize and understand. They don't understand the way a person really releases is through forgiveness. And forgiveness has to come first from you. You're the original person who allowed it. 
And that's actually the high side of shame. I mean, a healthy dose of shame is supposed to teach kids the feelings of remorse and genuine sorrow. and That's so, how you become compassionate. Yeah, to learn compassion. Shame. You can know when you've really hurt someone so that you can take responsibility and genuinely say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I mm. didn't. I didn't know what I was doing, and and to also know that, to learn through that, that you're imperfect, it's okay to be imperfect, and I think that's where it's easy to get locked up in the adolescence wanting to go for perfectionism. Yeah, and that's the adolescent's response to the shame. Oh, I just have to do perfect. better. If I just make it all better, if I just heal every single thing in my body that's out, then I'll be enlightened <laughs> by default. Right. So along with that imperfection to know that you're forgivable and then when you can really own like, wow, all this time I, I, I put myself out and then I'm the one smacking myself back down. I'm the one doing that at this point. Mm. And so with that healing and release comes this like integration of your truer self and the indiv individualization of who you really are and the gifts that only you have to share with others. And, and it's such a beautiful thing to go through. I feel like I'm in the middle of this too, Erica, and I'm so excited that you're getting this piece. It's it's coming into your full self, and I'm so excited. Thank yeah. you for your vulnerability today. Children, yeah. I want to say Thank one you. last thing. Thank you. Children, ch children, basically, they have they're in so much pain because nobody's really fulfilling them. They're, and because that pain is intense, it doesn't go very deep. But it's intense, and it causes them to react. So when they make a program like, oh, I'm not good enough, boom, they're like, oh, okay, I feel better knowing I'm not good enough. That's the reason that my mom doesn't like me or is doing what they do, because I'm not good enough. And it releases them from the pain. It's a very smart mm -hmm. thing. It's also what teaches. If a person never got any shame, they'd never have a sense of remorse. Yeah. The way you teach a child is to shame them. But if you shame them too much... They begin to see themselves as the shame itself. I'm something that needs to be shamed, not that I did something wrong. So there's this fine line where they need to be shamed, but not made to feel that they are a mistake. They make mistakes, but they aren't. Too much shame makes them feel like a mistake. Mm. Wow. And so often, most people, mm -hmm. most parents have used shame to expedite teaching. So shame is a common expedition of being raised by the current consensus. Hey, you want to make them feel, just make them feel bad and they'll do it. But wow. it's really just to expedite teaching, not taking the patience necessary. But oh. I just wanted to add that. Well, th you know, I can't believe this mm. hour has gone by so quickly. I want to th thank you for calling in. Thank you for today. Because, you know, by calling in, this message is reaching so many people that needed to hear it. Uh, thank you so much. Um, Rick, Grace, thank you for a great show. And before we wrap up here, you know, how can people work with you? I mean, we just, this is a live call-in show. It's not the whole, it's not the whole process. What's the best way for people to contact you to learn how to work with you directly? Right. Uh, the best way is to check us out on our website, synergeneticliving.com. And through that, you can find, um, uh, a way to work with us, just an illumination session with Grace, and that will bring clarity to whatever it is that you're trying to work through, mm -hmm. and then from there we can see if we're a good fit to carry it on, but within that session, it's loaded with insights. I mean, just you could see in a half an hour all the things that we can 
really dive into. So that is the best way to get started. And um, I look forward to hearing your questions and connecting. Mm. Healing is an intense process, and it needs a, a, a real commitment to do it because most people right now are suffering. They don't recognize yeah. they're creating the world around them, and the world around them is falling apart, and they're in this chaos. And chaos precedes change, is during change, and is after change. So it, and learning how to change at this time couldn't be a wiser thing to do. Oh, I agree. Thank you both, though. Thank you for a great show. I want to thank you all for calling in. And for those of you that were calling in, uh, believe me, we're going to be doing this again soon. And so you'll have another opportunity for Synergenetic Living. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio for the latest on Synergenetic Living Radio with Rick and Grace Paris. Learn how to get clear on the life you desire. Synergenetic Living is a living, breathing, conscious experience. Rick and Grace will teach you the art of utilizing the future to create the now with a sense of artistic and absolute power, having dominion without domination. For more information on Rick and Grace Paris and Synergenetic Living, or to download an episode of Synergenetic Living Radio, visit SynergeneticLiving.com.